Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, Senior Editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another episode of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, Friday podcast right here on Behind the Steel Curtains Podcast Network. In case you don't, make sure you follow us on all the platforms or just your favorite one, whether it's iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Anchor, Pandora, Spotify. Subscribe, follow, do whatever you have to do so that you do not miss a thing. Not just my show, but all of our morning content that's a live mic on Tuesday, the Stat Geek with Dave Schofield on Thursday, and then we have all these new noon shows just yesterday. Tuesday, we had Jeffrey Benedicts on the Cutting Room Floor debut at noon. Make sure you check that out. Wednesdays, we have the Steelers Fantasy Fix. On the weekends, we have the Ohioans of the Power Half Hour. Soon, we have the What Yin's Talking About on Fridays, and then Thursday with Maddie Peverell. My goodness, we have a whole new slate of shows all those shows that I just mentioned are 30 minutes in length, and I hope you check them out. What else I hope you check out is BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. BehindTheSteelCurtain.com should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers, and I hope that you are taking a look. It's something that I'm very proud of as the, the guy who kind of runs the website. I'm very proud of the podcast platform as the guy who kind of oversees everything, and I hope that you all are really expanding it can help you be a better fan, and we have some really great stuff on both the podcast platform and on the editorial side. Let's get things started right here on this Wednesday podcast as we get ready. You know, there was no practice on Tuesday. The Steelers were slated to have practice. They get out there. There's a little bit of a delay because of weather. They finally get started. They're running their seven shots. If you know what seven shots is, that's the drill where they have to put the ball at the two-yard line. Seven plays to finish, and let's see how it goes. And... Right when they finished seven shots, seven shots, which I think the defense dominated, maybe five to two, uh, rain came down or thunder and lightning in the area, whatever it was, it was a risk, and they said, we're just going to can it. We're just going to can it. So there was no practice report. Mike Tomlin did speak to the media on Tuesday, so there are some nuggets that we'll take out of that and talk about today. 
on this Wednesday podcast. But the one thing that I keep on thinking about before I get into the main crux of this podcast, a lot of people hit me up on Twitter and they ask me in person, oh, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And there's to me, there's all these non-stories right now. There's all these, and it's because it's training camp. It's because they're obviously, you know, they're playing, but they're not playing. Everyone wants to focus on football, but there's no real football to talk about. I get it. And so when you think about the non-stories, like T.J. Watt's extension, we're talking about Kevin Dotson being in the doghouse or being out of shape. We're talking about James Washington wanting a trade. I mean, I could go on. There's more, but I'm just not going to dive into all those, all these non-stories. I want to make something very clear. Unless T.J. Watt does not get a deal done and decides that he's just going to sit out for the rest of the season, which or until a deal gets done, which I don't think is going to happen, by the way, that's going to be a non-story. Do you think that anyone is going to look back at any point in time during the regular season? Let's say that T.J. Watt has Lamar Jackson lined up for a sack, and Lamar Jackson, being the freak athlete that he is, is able to escape it. Do you think anyone, and I say this with a little bit of pause because I'm sure there's someone that will, do you think anyone in their right mind is going to look back and say, you know what, if T.J. Watt would have practiced his first two weeks of training camp, I'll tell you what, he would have made that tackle, would have made that sack. I honestly don't see that happening, but I'm sure there is someone that will bring that up. These are non-stories. Kevin Dotson, if he is able to resume his role with the starting offensive line, does it matter that he had to had an ankle injury and had to work his way back? I don't think so. I really don't. It's just the fact that right now it's the only news that we're able to see. It's the only thing that we're able to talk about. And right now it's dominating the Pittsburgh Steelers Twitter feeds and the news channels and things like that. Nonetheless, all non-stories in my opinion. But what is a, an actual story that's worth talking about? is the Pittsburgh Steelers getting ready to play their second exhibition game. They're going across the state to Philadelphia to play the Philadelphia Eagles Thursday night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. Make sure you're finding a way to watch it. Dave Schofield on Thursday morning will have the How to Watch article on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, which gives you information as to how to find the game, how to watch the game, all those things. Will you get the game in your area? We'll try to provide that for you so that you can see whether you get to watch the game. If not, you have to maybe listen to it on the radio. I know the Steelers app sometimes will cover that. So make sure you can find a way. But what about the expectations? Last week, going into the Hall of Fame game against the Dallas Cowboys, a lot of people, myself included, were wondering, what should we be expecting from this Pittsburgh Steelers team? And when you think about it, it's a difficult question. What are we expecting from this team that, my goodness, we, we don't really know what to expect, especially on the offense and the offensive line. There's so many new faces, so many new positions. We don't know what to expect. The defense, you might be able to say, okay, we have an expectation, but the offense, I think, is pretty much a crapshoot at this point. So last week, going into the game, we talked about expectations, but the title of this podcast is, how have the Steelers' expectations changed entering their second preseason game. And I hate how they number all this stuff, but this is week one technically, even though the Steelers have played two preseason, their second preseason game, that last week, the Hall of Fame game was not considered week one. This upcoming game is considered week one. So if you hear me reference week one, that's what I'm talking about. So how have they changed? Well, what's going to change between the Hall of Fame game and the Philadelphia game? That's the question you have to answer. I think that for some, we're talking about rookies, undrafted rookie free agents, 
new players that might have been free agent pickups. Think about a Trey Turner, Melvin Ingram, even though they didn't play last week. But for players like that, it's experience. It's experience. Like Joe Haig, who was with Tampa Bay last season, comes to Pittsburgh. He played a lot against the Dallas Cowboys. It gave him good experience in the system and gave him just something to kind of get under his belt. Yeah, he doesn't have that, oh my gosh, what's this going to be like? And that's really not the case anymore. But then also, for some, they're returning to action. Now we're talking about players like Zach Banner. With a, he's coming off of that ACL. And Zach Banner is a player that talked about the other day with media. He's still trying to get his bearings. And you have to understand, this guy was, I, I believe, if, I'm, if I remember correctly, it, they did not show the replay too many times from week one last season when he was at MetLife Stadium. Towards the end of the game, I think it was the third quarter, he goes into his drop step and then his knee just gives out. It was a non-contact injury, and everyone knew that saw it. Oh, boy, this is bad. This is ugly. This is ugly. So you can imagine the hesitation that goes through a Zach, Zach Banner's mind as he's doing little things like practicing his drop step and hoping, boy, I hope that doesn't happen again. It's going to take time for him to get over that mental hurdle, trust his body again, to trust that he's fully healed and that his, his body and the rehab that he's done is going to stand tall for him. So you have someone like Zach Banner. I'm not sure if Zach Banner is going to play on Thursday night. I would hope he would, uh, but they might give him another week off. We're not sure. He has returned to practice, so that's one thing. Also, Devin Bush, inside linebacker Devin Bush. So you're talking about a player again, another ACL. Now, unlike Banner, where you're talking about the drop step, you're talking about a very rhythmic and systematic approach to like pass blocking. With Devin Bush, it's just can he trust his knee to do everything that he used to do on the football field. And that's not an easy task for anyone that's coming off major knee surgery. So when when Devin Bush tore his ACL last year, all of a sudden there's probably in the back of your mind a little bit of a worry or a concern. Is it going to happen again? Am I going to have the speed back? Am I going to have the agility back? Am I going to be the same player that I was in 2019 and 2020? Those are questions that even for Devin Bush, He can't answer those yet. He can practice, he can train, he can rehabilitate, but until he gets on the football field and proves to himself, not just that his body's going to hold up, but that mentally and physically, he's completely over the injury. He sees, shoot, I still have that sideline to sideline speed. I can still cover the tight ends. I can still cover the running backs. I can still chase down the ball carrier from behind. Until he can do all those things, and I'm not saying he can't, by the way, folks. I'm not saying he can't. Until he does those things on the field and preseason counts, it might be he's still getting through that. He's getting going through that process. Even someone like Kevin Dotson. Dotson, who uh, you know had the reports in the offseason, talked about that earlier. Dotson, who is working his way back from an ankle injury. You hope that he can go out there and say, I want to go out and prove myself. I want to prove worthy. I want to prove that I should be the starting left guard for the Pittsburgh Steelers and not be running with the backups. Those are some of the changes. You have these now of like Najee Harris has some experience to him. He's at least played in a game. It didn't mean anything, but he's played in a game. 
Someone like Pat Fryermuth cannot say that because he did not play against the Cowboys due to a left shoulder injury, but it looks like he'll play against Philadelphia. Someone like Kendrick Green, who is having a lot of responsibility thrust onto his shoulders at a really early time, he has a full, not a full game, but he's been and have game experience. I can't stress how important that is. Now, when Mike Tomlin met with the media, he gave some of his expectations coming into this upcoming game against the Philadelphia Eagles. He said that essentially he's looking for a lot of similar things from the Hall of Fame game to Philadelphia. He's looking for things like you know, avoiding pre-snap penalties, penalty-free games, on offense especially dealing with motions and shifts better than what they did, i.e. the Chase Claypool, Mason Rudolph, botched exchange fumble. Uh, he's also talking about he wants to see players elevate their game. Just a general quality and awareness, growth and consistency, more fluid and a faster game. But he also understands that for many people, including the entire Philadelphia Eagles roster. This is a first-game scenario. For Zach Banner, first game. Devin Bush, first game. Dotson, first game. Fryermuth, you get it, first-game scenarios. And so I think it's good that Coach Tomlin is at least compartmentalizing that and realizing that for some of these players, they're not going to play that much. But at the same time, he has to understand that there's still a learning curve there. Now, let's revisit last week's list that we did. And maybe there's things that we want to change. Maybe there's some things that we want to add. We'll see. So first and foremost, last week, I had five things on my list for the realistic expectations for the Pittsburgh Steelers entering the Hall of Fame game. Here they were in no particular order. No turnovers. Play a clean brand of football. Unfortunately, that fumble that I talked about with Mason Rudolph did not have that clean feel to it. Uh, It was an ugly play. And it killed a drive. It killed a drive. The Steelers were moving the ball, and it was a horrible turnover. So that one, that stays. No doubt about it, that stays. The next one was solid tackling. I thought the Steelers tackled well. I still think there's room for improvement. I, I cannot get out of my head. I think Ulysses Gilbert III was the player. I wish I could tell you the down and distance. I know it was third down. Distance was about, I think, around 10 yards. They throw it underneath. He goes, and he's in the right spot. He read it perfectly, and he comes up and just misses the tackle. The the, the tight end, I believe, gets loose, gets the yardage necessary for the first down, move the chains. So instead of making the clean tackle, getting them off the field, getting the ball back to your offense, now all of a sudden the Steelers' defense is staying on the field. The drive continues, and I believe they eventually got in scoring position Clearly, the Cowboys struggled with putting points on the board, but nonetheless, they were putting themselves in position. Why? Bad tackling. So solid tackling stays on the list. Next, win the line of scrimmage. I thought that the Pittsburgh Steelers did a pretty admirable job with this considering who was in the game. We'll put it that way. I thought they ran the ball efficiently enough. It wasn't great, but it wasn't horrible either. I felt like they passed protected well. They only gave up one sack, which technically technically against Joshua Dobbs was not really a sack. Dobbs had scrambled out of the pocket. I think he went for like a one-yard loss, which technically goes as a sack. But they kept Rudolph, Haskins, and Dobbs clean. So I thought it was pretty good. And the the defense gave up some runs, but they definitely tightened things up. They put good pressure on the quarterback. I think winning the line of scrimmage stays in terms of this upcoming expectations for the Philadelphia Eagles. Splash plays. Where's the popcorn? 
I would love to see the splash plays, but I'm going to change this to just more consistency. The Steelers' defense gave up big chunks chunks of yardage, and the offense really struggled to find a rhythm at times. They came out looking good, turning out, you know, their third down offense was good. They, you know, Chase Claypool was making catches, but they didn't really have any consistency, and that's a struggle. So splash plays are great. This week, I want to see them just be consistent. And lastly, avoid the injury bug. Last week against the Cowboys, the Steelers were able to do that. Kalen Balage was the only player, I believe, to get injured. And so he's probably going to have to sit out this game against Philly. But all, other than that, I thought they stayed relatively healthy. So is there anything we would add? Is there anything that I would add to this expectations? And I, there are a couple. Situational football. That's the biggest thing that I want to add. And it's the only thing that I want to add. Controlling situational football. Third down defense. Like I talked about that scenario with Ulysses Gilbert III. You can't do it. You cannot have that play happen. You just can't. You have to have a good situational awareness and be able to get down to get that ball carry. Same with offense. You have to understand the situation. I'll think back to another scenario last Thursday. Anthony McFarlane on third down catches a ball in the flat. It looks like all he has to do is fall over to get the first down. The yards needed to get a new set of downs. And instead, he kind of shuffles his feet. He chops his feet up, and he gets taken down one yard shy of the sticks. That's not good situational football. Get the first down. Live to play another day. Don't go to make a guy miss. You don't always have to try for the 70-yard gain, although that's great. Sometimes all you have to do is to make one cut, move upfield, get the first down, and then you live to fight another day. And then also in the red zone. Now, the defense did a good job bending but not breaking, but you'd love to see the red zone defense and offense clean up their act a little bit. The Steelers only scored 16 points last week. Take that with a gigantic grain of salt considering who was on the field, but still, there is room for improvement in the situational football category. All right, so those are some expectations for this Thursday's game against the Philadelphia Eagles in the official week one of the NFL preseason. When we come back after this break, I'm going to be answering some ride-or-die crew questions. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second segment of Let's Ride. I'm your host, Jeff Hartman, and it's Wednesday, which means one thing and one thing only. It is time to open the Ride or Die Crew mailbag where I answer all the questions asked of me on Twitter. If you want to follow me on Twitter, all you have to do is go to Twitter, create a free account, follow me at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Again, jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. And when every Tuesday I ask... Who's got questions? They never let me down. And they didn't again this week. Let's go through some of these. Jeremy Betts, who is the host of our Fantasy Football Fix. Now, Jeremy's been really trying hard to figure out what he wants to name the people that listen to his show. Let me give you a tip, Jeremy. You didn't ask for it, but I'm giving it to you anyways. Hold off on the name, the, the branding of your show. 
Get a following. They'll tell you what they want to be called, all right? I did not think of Ride or Die Crew. I think it was someone that listens to the show. They brought it up, and I just ran with it, and it's stuck ever since. But Jeremy asked this. I know you are an eternal optimist. I am guilty. So this may be hard. But what aspect of this 2021 Steelers team are you most skeptical about? For me, it's inside linebacker after Devin Bush. So that's a good question. And I am the eternal optimist. But that doesn't mean that I am also have my black and gold goggles on that they blind me from seeing things. I'm going to go to the other side of the ball, and I'm going to say depth on the offensive line, whether it's tackle. Now, Dan Moore Jr. has been great. I thought he had a great debut against Dallas. I want to see him again against Philadelphia. But outside of Dan Moore, I'm not confident in Joe Haig. If B.J. Finney is your lone backup at guard, you got Kendrick Green at center, I'm sorry, but you know Trey Turner. There's a lot of people that said that so far Trey Turner has not looked that great. At least that was early on when he was participating with the team. I feel like it's kind of gotten a little bit better. You haven't heard as much negativity about him, but you have Turner Dotson hasn't even been back with the ones yet, and Rashad Coward's been starting at left guard. I'm sorry, like Rashad Coward's a great story and all, but no, I don't have faith that he's my answer. Now, inside linebacker, like you mentioned, Jeremy is definitely an issue, but I don't think for me. It's top of the list. I'm going to go with. Um, I'm going to go with offensive line depth across the board. Shannon White, who's a contributor for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and also co-host the Steelers Hangover with Tony Defio and Brian Anthony Davis every Monday evening live on YouTube. You can go to YouTube.com, search BTSC Steelers Radio, subscribe and follow us there so that you can see all of our PM shows live. That includes my show, The Steelers Preview, with Brian Anthony Davis and Dave Schofield, which airs typically every Thursday evening. But Shannon asks, will you survive if Jordan Berry beats out Presley Harvin at punter? Okay, so I've talked a lot about Jordan Berry. I gave him the nickname Weasel Boy, and I've obviously been a big fan of Presley Harvin, and I'm even an even bigger fan of Presley Harvin after last Sunday, last Thursday's game against Dallas and Canton, where he just, I mean, what a better debut. I can't think of a better debut for a punter. But if, if Jordan Berry beats out Presley Harvin, am I going to survive? Of course I'm going to survive. But am I going to be shocked? I'm not going to be shocked either. All I'm going to say is for all those people out there, and Shannon, you're the one that's always on our Slack channel telling me to pump the brakes, yada, 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 all this stuff about Jordan Berry, and he's had a good camp. We've seen this script before. So there's people out there that say, ah, Jordan Berry should be the guy. He's the incumbent, better holder, all that stuff. We've seen this script before. When he shanks a ball in December, I don't want to hear from it. Okay, so for in Shannon's in Shannon's case, I don't want to hear him writing in the stock report that Jordan Berry's stock is down because I've told you that it's going to happen. So I don't want to hear about it. That's all I'm going to say. If, if Jordan Berry wins the job, that's fine. Just expect the shanks when it gets cold. Next question: Justin Mitchell says, "Do you think that Joe Hayden gets an extension?" What would that look like money-wise? Do you believe he should be extended? So this is tough. Joe Hayden is definitely getting up there in age. Uh, His agent, Drew Rosenhaus, made it public that they are indeed looking to get him an extension. Let's keep in mind, though, you said, what would this look like money-wise? I'm not about to try to give you a figure or a guess as to what this would look like. But let me say this. We have said all along, all offseason, that one of the ways the Steelers can create more salary cap space in 2021 is if they extend Joe Hayden. That's always been an option. Now, Joe Hayden did tell an outlet, I believe it was Mark Cavalli of The Athletic, that 
he would rather retire than play safety. So my guess of, hey, could he play safety, I guess that's just not in the cards. But at the same time, if you think Joe Hayden has maybe two more years left and you want to say, let's give him a new two-year extension, so you have him locked up for 2021, you're getting him for 2022 and 2023, I would would do it. I would make that deal. I really would. I think that Joe Hayden is playing at a high level. He stayed relatively healthy thus far when he's been in Pittsburgh. I say get a deal done, and I think that I'm I'm a, would I would be okay. Let me put it that way. I would be okay if he did get that extension. Good question, Justin. All right, Brian Haynes asks a question, and this has been asked a million times. Not just uh, not not really for me on Twitter, but really in our live shows on YouTube in the live chat. Um, Brian asks, can we get Lance to come back for at least one show um, during the season? So. Brian, he's talking about Lance Williams, who I used to do a show with called The Standard is the Standard. And then I left, and let let me just make this very clear of the timeline, okay? I left to go to another outlet. This was last summer. It was really the early signs of summer. And I told Lance, I told Brian, I told Dave, I called them all personally and told them when I was leaving, and I left. And I was gone for two months. Now, during those two months, I don't know what happened because I was not a part of the organization, but Lance left as right as I was about to come back. And to be totally honest with you, I have not heard from him since I left. Uh, there's, there's no hard feelings. I have no problem. If Lance would want to come on my show or a show, I'd have no problem with it. But he left behind the steel curtain, and then I came back, and then we started to roll, and and he was not part of that picture. So I I know that a lot of people say all the time, can we get Lance to come back and all this stuff? He is always welcome on any of our shows. My show, he can come on the ride. He can can come on Let's Ride and talk with me. He can come on the Steelers preview. He can do whatever. The door's always open. I just want to lay out the timeline of I don't know why he left. I don't know what happened. I don't know what was behind anything. That's how it happened, just so we're clear. Brian asked a couple other questions. We'll get a few of these out there. He said, is this is this Ben Roethlisberger's best offense as far as potential goes? Hashtag ride or die crew. It's tough for him. Now, Brian, I don't think anyone could answer that and say yes right now based on the fact of the offensive line being so in flux. I also don't think anyone could ever say this is Ben Roethlisberger's best offense when you talk about potential that the Killer Bees had when Le'Veon Bell was in his prime, Antonio Brown was dominating, they had the best offensive line in the NFL. I just don't think you can compare it. They were just that good. Could this offense be really, really good? I absolutely think they could be really, really good. But I just don't think that uh, it's going to compare to that one when the killer bees were just out of this world. Brian also asked, do you believe we have a number one wide receiver or do we have multiple number two wide receivers? That's a great question. And he, as always, uses hashtag ride or die crew. I think that if there's one receiver on this offense that can be a true number one, it's Chase Claypool. And you started to see little bits of that happening. And what I mean by that is you're starting to see how dominant this kid can be. You saw it on the in the Hall of Fame game. You saw it uh, shades of it last season, towards the end of the season. He is going to be the player. He is going to be the receiver that garners all the attention from the defense. He's the one that's going to be shading. They're going to shade his side. They don't want to give up the big play. And that should mean big things for Juju Smith-Schuster 
and Deontay Johnson. Let's also not forget that when Juju Smith-Schuster was at his best was when Antonio Brown was doing that opposite him, which is we need to draw a safety to his side every single time. So I do think that if they do have a number one wide receiver in Chase Claypool, I think that everyone, myself included, will be saying that at the end of 2021. All right, longtime listener Zib says, do you think Buddy Johnson may have a chance to start with Devin Bush at any point this season without it being due to someone's injury? So barring injury, could Buddy Johnson be next to Devin Bush? I'm going to say that I think there are situations where this could happen. I don't think that Buddy Johnson will be an every down starter next to Devin Bush this season. So let me specify, let me explain myself. I think that Devin Bush is going to be your every down linebacker. I think that they are going to rotate through who is next to him based on the situation. It could be Robert Spillane, and it could be Buddy Johnson based on how he continues to play and how he continues to progress during this preseason. I have no doubt that they can utilize this this young man's skills after what I saw last week, but he has to get better. Still a lot to prove. Dwayne Haskins, QB1, (laughs) love that Twitter handle, says, hey, Jeff, I was just wondering what you thought about the outside corners. We know what Joe brings. You're talking about Joe Hayden. But what about the other side? Hashtag ride or die crew. Now, this is a really difficult situation for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going to tell you why. You You have Cam Sutton, and everyone knows what Cam Sutton brings to this team. He brings versatility. He brings experience, great ball skills. Not the best tackler, but he he can get the job done. We'll put it that way. So you could easily say, okay, we're going to put Cam Sutton in the outside. Well, well, then what are you going to do in the slot? So, so far in the nickel, it's been Antoine Brooks Jr., and he has done a great job. Shout out to Kevin Smith. Our own Cliff Harris is still a punk. He wrote a great article about how Antoine Brooks Jr. has been passing the test so far. So if you haven't checked that out, make sure you check it out. So he's still... Then what about the dime? This is where things could get tricky. So everyone wants James Pierre to be the guy. Everyone wants him to be the guy. And I know that Terrell Terrell Austin, the defensive backs coach, has said, if James Pierre does well, then maybe we could move Cam Sutton back inside. Like, that's actually a possibility. I don't know if that's what they're going to do. We'll see. I'm, I'm I'm more of the kind that says, hey, if James Pierre's doing well, then he should be able to learn the dime defensive back role that Cam Sutton had last season and the year before that and the year before that, keep Cam on the outside, move James Pierre to the inside and the dime, and they should be fine. That's my hope. Fingers crossed. All right, Paul asks, what undrafted rookie free agent has impressed you the most so far? Hashtag ride or die crew. Um, I, I, Jameer Jones, I'm not sure if he falls into the, U, the UDFA category. He's been great. I mean, he has some heavy hands. I love to watch him play. He could have a spot on this team, possibly. Also, Shakir, Shakir Brown did a great job on special teams. He looks like a guy that understands that his best ticket to making this 53-man roster is, guess what, on special teams, and he did a great job. Let's see if he can keep that up and maybe provide some depth in the secondary. Sentence TC says, how much is too much to pay what? How much... Uh, I, I, here's what I don't understand. Everyone wants to bemoan like big, big time contracts. How do you not pay someone that was the runner up and defensive player of the year the last two seasons has not done nothing but get better statistically? Is going to set career and probably season highs and sacks for the Pittsburgh Steelers organization. How can you say it's too much? 
I don't, I don't look at the overall number. I look at what's the cap hit in the first two to three years. That's what the Steelers love to do. They love to sign someone to a big deal, whether it was Ben Roethlisberger, Cam Hayward. Um, I could go down the list of players that have gotten paid by the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the first two to three years are typically low-earning years. Are they going to extend T.J. Watt, meaning he plays this year under his fifth-year option, and then the new contract starts after? Are they going to sign him to a new contract this year, which decreases his salary cap hit for 2021? All those questions have yet to be answered. I do not have a number. I don't have a crystal ball. I'm not sure what he's going to get paid. I'll tell you this. He's worth every penny. If you believe that T.J. Watt is a generational talent, Think about what I just said. If you think TJ Watt is a generational talent, meaning once-in-a-generation player, then you don't let him go no matter what. You don't let him go no matter what. All right, let's go to the last question here. Aaron says, inside linebacker looks soft in base schemes. Do you think the team will game plan around the player, uh, weak spots, or seek talent at the position? So in other words, with I, he thinks that inside linebacker is a little bit of a weakness. Not going to disagree. Will the team try to game plan around the weakness or are they going to look for other places like maybe an Avery Williamson or um, something like that? I don't see them going out and making a move right now, but I can also see them making a move, say, if a player gets released in a, in a cuts. You know, cuts are going to be coming up as they have a couple cuts. They have one after week one, I think, and then uh, not another one until after week three. But you have, you have these players that are going to be free agents and they can definitely – pick up one of those if they stick with their their current roster they're going to have to find a way to game plan around it we'll put it that way they have to they always have and they always will so there you go all right folks that does it for me time's up i will be back on friday and it's going to be fun we're going to be able to talk about the game i'll be recording that podcast right after the game is done with the philadelphia eagles yes i will also be having our segment with Mr. Captain Blue Checkmark Michael Beck. So make sure you check that out. That's always a fun segment on Fridays, as well as my heart to heart. So make sure you check that out on Friday. Make sure you check out all of our podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain. And BehindTheSteelCurtain.com should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. As we always finish it here, folks, be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great day. We'll see you on Friday. Go Steelers.